This is Main Street on Prairie Public. I'm Ashley Thornburg, and today on the show, you have already seen it everywhere. Barbie, the smash hit, made more than $155 million on its opening weekend, really smashing the projections, becoming the top grossing film of 2023, including the many action movies that have come out this year. And it is the highest debut for a film directed by a woman in the history of filmmaking. Lots of people went out to go and see Barbie, and a lot of people decided that they have absolutely no desire to go see this movie, uh, citing a number of either religious or political beliefs. And we are going to dive into the people who want to go see the film, the people who don't want to go see the film, and the controversy surrounding it. Joining me today is Dr. Jack Russell Weinstein. He is a Chester Fritz Distinguished Professor of Philosophy at the University of North Dakota. Jack, more than a Kendall, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I am virtually indistinguishable from Ryan Gosling. I get stopped on the street all the time. It's, it's, it's actually, frankly, exhausting. Okay, Jack. You're laughing a little too I, hard at that joke. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't drinking coffee because I would have spit laughed at that. <laughs> Okay, Jack, so much to discuss in this film, which honestly is a total surprise to me. Uh, So let's kind of start with this idea of Barbie and and being more than a doll, really becoming kind of an icon. Um, What did you sort of make of, of Barbie, the movie, just as your personal opinion? And then we'll dive into the philosophy of some of this. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was funny. I thought the cast was great and the costumes and all of that sort of stuff was really wonderful. And I loved all of the inside jokes. I thought it was it was it was great escapism. And I saw it with my wife and my daughter and they both loved it as well. I want to get into this idea that there is a lot of controversy surrounding something that seems like you said it should just be a little bit of a summer escapism and this doll that everybody uh, in the United States knows of. And just a note to our listeners, while there aren't really spoilers to be had, we will be discussing the film in detail. So if you have a plan to go see this and haven't yet, maybe this isn't the best uh, episode of Main Street for you. Uh, so let's go right with the opening scene, <laughs> Jack, and <laughs> this uh, this um, homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey, but uh, instead of that film, it has little girls playing with baby dolls and this very uh, lamented uh, voice on top of it saying, there have always been dolls, but for most of their history, they were baby dolls. And this idea that the only thing that young girls could dream of being was a mother. And the Barbie came along, and she was an adult. She could have a career. She could make decisions. She could wear what she wants to wear. She could have a boyfriend or not, or a home. Um, So let's just do a little bit of the history uh, of what it meant when Barbie first came out. 
Well, I think this scene was actually the most baffling for me because I suspect that most of the people in the audience didn't know it was 2001, don't know that reference. And there is a tension in the film between speaking to the younger audiences and speaking to the older audiences, speaking Mm. to people who have a sense of the history of movies and people who are just there because it's a popular thing to do and they, they like going to see a film, right? There is a tension in a work of art in telling an internal story, the story that it wants to set up, which is the story of Barbie herself and, and going out in the real world and, and, and learning to be self-aware and this discourse between the film and the things that came before it and the context. So, By starting out by talking about the history of the Barbie doll, the movie announces that it is is always going to have one foot in the real world, Hmm. one foot in the real history. And if that's the case, then Barbie, however you feel about the toy, was revolutionary, was important, and still remains a symbol of a certain kind of femininity and a certain kind of expectation that the Barbie doll has always been fighting with because it's an idealized woman Mm -hmm. with an idealized body and yet at the same time Mattel and the Barbie company try to make it into this liberated free human being with all the options in the world and that's a hard thing to walk without getting either too obscure like a reference to now a 60 year old film and a reference to political context and 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 the public discourse. Yeah, because when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, kind of by then most of the discussion about Barbie is that she was not a very feminist statement. Again, the the large breast, the tiny waist, the blonde hair, um and then, you know, yeah, there were some other Barbies, but but not really. I'm interested, uh, Jack, in in just a little bit of a conversation here about this idea that what could have been described as feminist when it came out and then later viewed as anti-feminist later says about culture and, and cultural norms as societies pivot and change. Well, the history of feminism is super complicated. And the early feminists accepted things about women that we don't necessarily accept now. Like, for example, women were supposed to stay at home, that women were inherently more caring, that a woman wasn't fulfilled unless she had a baby. And so if you go back to the 18th century, there's a feminist writer named Mary Astle, whose argument for giving women full education is that they will be better partners, better helpmates, and better wives and better mothers because they are educated. Now, if a feminist came out and said that today, and that was the only reason women should be educated, that would be regarded as tremendously regressive. But in the 18th century, that was very, very forward-looking. And so you move forward 100 years at a time, another 100 years after that, and you start to get this idea that 
women being defined as, again, full human beings and women being defined in terms of their full capabilities, that part of what it means to be a feminist is maybe you don't want to have a baby. Maybe you don't want to be paired off with someone else. Maybe you want to choose a career over a family. Maybe you want to do other things. It's that the choice that you get to make is the essential core of feminist equality. So when Barbie comes out, this was before women could have their own credit cards. This was back when uh, women's doctors would talk to the husbands. And so what a feminist statement was then is going to be very different than a feminist statement now. Feminism evolves and it's not just one thing. We're visiting today with Dr. Jack Russell Weinstein, a Chester Fritz Distinguished Professor of Philosophy at the University of North Dakota. He joins us once a month here on Main Street for Philosophical Currents, a philosophical deep dive into one of the biggest news stories. This one, uh, both over a lot of media networks and social media networks, and even being banned uh, in certain countries, and that is talking about Greta Gerwig's big movie premiere over the weekend of Barbie. And there were a lot of people uh, at my office, Jack, talking about this on Thursday and Friday and I will say, without naming names, that there were four men who were just saying, I'm not going to go see that. And part of me wanted to say, I've watched movies about World War II. Uh, and in this universe that Barbie lives in, Barbie world, the women are happy. Is it fair for, for me to accuse these men? Are you saying that it's beneath you to see women being happy? Why are these men not seeing this movie? Are they not seeing the movie because of the underlying political message? And are you suggesting that if a man doesn't want to see Barbie, then he is a misogynist? Are you suggesting that? Or are they responding to the marketing where people are going dressed in pink? People mm. are wearing dresses, right? I mean, again, it's very complicated to separate this the content of the film from the product that they're selling because this is definitely Greta Gerwig, the direct, the, the writer and director. Uh, she wrote lady bird, mm -hmm. which is a masterpiece of a movie. However, it didn't speak to me the same way it spoke particularly to my daughter. Why? Because I'm not the intended audience. It was a story about a mother and her daughter and the complex relationships. And I enjoyed it and I learned things from it, but it wasn't for me in that sense. The marketing for Barbie is presenting it as not for men in that sense. So when you say that these four men aren't going to see it, are they not going to see it because they have no particular interest in Barbie or are they not seeing it because they are offended by the message, which is fairly heavy handed in the film, albeit mm -hmm. nothing that I disagree with. And just as an aside here, uh, that prior to World War II, Jack, pink was much more common for boys and blue was for girls. In fact, the 1918 trade publication Earnshaw's Infants Department claimed that generally accepted rule is pink is for the boys and blue is for the girls. The reason is that pink is the more decided and stronger color and therefore more suitable for the boy, while blue is more delicate and dainty 
and prettier for the girl. All right, let's talk about that heavy-handed message. Um, What do you get a sense of is making this film so controversial? A lot of people, both politically and religiously, speaking out against this film. Well, first of all, I think it's a manufactured controversy. I think, as I have said on numerous times on this show alone, that people are talking about this so they don't have to talk about health care. They're talking about this so they don't have to talk about uh, issues about guns. They're talking about this so they don't have to talk about the uh, minimum wage and things like that. It's very, very easy for politicians and for people in the public eye. This to, is just the latest distraction. Right. This is hmm. just the latest distraction. I, I, I firmly and, uh, and, and completely believe that. Now, with that said, there are two different messages going on in the film. The first is that women are and should be equal. And what women being equal means is that they can hold positions in the Supreme Court, that they can be president, that they can be doctors, that they can be anything they want to be, including homemakers. Now, if that's controversial to you, (laughs) I'm not sure what to say, uh, because that seems like a basic premise that 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 is now a, a, a you know should be a starting point for the modern world. I know it isn't, but it should be. Now, the second message is that because Ken is a superfluous accessory for Barbie, that men themselves have to take a back seat to women in order for women to be successful. Now, that's a little more complicated because it does ask the question, is it a zero-sum game? If women are successful, does that mean men have to be less successful? Is there only one pie and every piece that a woman gets gets taken away from a man? Or is it not a zero-sum game and the equality of one person brings out the equality of the other people? I think conservatives approach it from the first angle. I think conservatives like to think of it as a zero-sum affair and that when one person has power, other people don't have power. Whereas I think liberals tend to think of it as liberating for everyone involved, right? If one person is in chains, everyone is in chains. If there is injustice anywhere, there is injustice everywhere. If women are free and equal, that makes men free and equal as well. And so that approach to this kind of political equality as to whether or not you're dividing limited power or unlimited power is going to establish how you react to this message as Ken being a superfluous character and the male dolls in the films should take second bill to the women dolls. Well, you use the word superfluous twice, and so I want to dive into that because a lot of people, uh, particularly women who are agreeing with a lot of the messaging in the film, are saying things like, well, see how you are seen as superfluous when it is the woman's world and her happiness is sort of guaranteed and it is only under the female gaze that the that the male can be happy, and you are seeing how frustrating of a life that would be. Now, can you imagine the real world situation of being a woman in a man's world? What do you make of that idea that they're saying you're reacting to this thing? Isn't that a bit ironic that you don't believe women when they're saying it in the real world, but you can feel it in this fictional movie? So one of the things that 
one of the many emotions that I had during the film was just that I found it sad and depressing. And I found it sad and depressing because this is a message that women have been communicating for certainly my entire conscious life. This is where we were in the 1980s. This was the central message of second feminism and the second wave feminism in the 1970s. And the question is, why is this still controversial? Hmm. Why is this notion that um, if you can have some empathy and you can see the perspective of women, you will see the struggles that they face and the alienations and the obstacles that they face. Why is this still controversial? Now, it's one thing to say women haven't achieved that goal or men haven't achieved that goal, that this inherent uh, equality uh just hasn't been achieved. That's one thing. But to, to act surprised by the message feels disingenuous mm. at best and horrifyingly regressive at worst. So if the message of the film is have some empathy, women's lives are hard and and the men and other women, it's very clear, you know, that one of the characters says uh, the, the young woman, the tween in, in the film, who is the voice of of the Barbie critic. She says at one point, women hate women, men hate women. It's one thing that we all share in common. Right. And. If the message of the film is show some empathy and start being supportive of women, then. If you can get past your defensiveness and get past the idea that this is a personal attack on you, then the statement seems both uncontroversial and, again, liberating for everybody. Jack, there's a lot of jokes about the patriarchy in this movie. Let's set up a couple of definitions in its purest form. What is a patriarchy? A patriarchy is a society governed by men or governed by father, father figures. Um, and so uh, the patriarchy, as it's used in everyday language today, is a generic description of a society in which men have significant advantages over women and that men are in positions of power and keep women down because of it. Is a matriarchy the exact opposite of a patriarchy? Linguistically, sure, uh, because a matriarchy would be a society run by mothers or by women. Um, but there's nothing inherent in a matriarchy and there's nothing inherent in a patriarchy that suggests that someone has to be kept down. Hmm. Now, I'm being a philosopher here, right? I'm, 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 I'm quibbling with details because when people talk about matriarchies, they're often talking about historical societies or imagined societies where because women are in charge, the society is more equal. Because women are in charge, society is more caring or society is more empathetic or society is more um, understanding. Now, that in itself is an essentialist view of women, right? There has been, again, throughout the history of feminism, th this notion that because women are biologically designed to have babies, and I'm not saying that they have to, but I'm just talking about the history of philosophy. Um, because women are biologically designed to have babies, they are more caring, they're more empathetic, they're less prone to violence. This, this idea that, you know, all wars were started by men and that if women ruled the world, uh, 
everyone would be better off. That is an essentialist notion that women are inherently by design, biologically more prone to community and more prone to care than men. Now that's a first, uh, that's an assumption. It may not be true. And I have certainly known lots of women uh, who don't fit that bill. And there were a lot of women working in the concentration Mm -hmm. camps in world war two. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why later feminists argue against that essentialist definition. Hmm. They think that women may be more caring or they may be more empathetic, but that's because they've been acculturated that way. And Mm. one of the reasons why men are not as empathetic or not as caring is because they have been socialized that way as well. You and I had an episode about a year and a half ago about men's emotions and men's friendship and how men don't have friends and aren't allowed to express their emotions. Is that biologically determined is that nature or is that culture and and socialization is it nurture and this nature nurture debate this tension between the two runs throughout the history of feminism the barbie movie does not take a position on that the barbie movie does not argue that women are more or less anything than men other than in barbie land women are in power and in the real world women are not which again seems like a fairly un- uncontroversial point we are visiting today with dr jack russell Weinstein. he is a chester fritz distinguished professor of philosophy at the university of north dakota he is also the host of why philosophical discussions about everyday life which you can hear one sunday a month right here on prairie public and he joins us on main street once a month for a philosophical deep dive into a big news story and today we are dissecting dissecting the film Barbie. Coming up in the second half of today's show, we are going to get into some of the religious reasons why people are passing on this film. Uh, Hi, my name is Daniel Bean, and I am from uh, Botno, North Dakota. I listen to Prairie Public every morning and every afternoon when I drive from Botno to the Turtle Mountain Reservation where I teach high school. And uh, being a history teacher and particularly liking local history, I found Dakota Datebook to be a very intriguing and enlightening and educational program. I started using Dakota Datebook in my uh, North Dakota Studies class when I first started teaching in 2016 and saw it as an excellent way to inform my students about history that they're never ever going to hear otherwise. I tend to be more conservative in my political views, but one of the things I like about Prairie Public, particularly the news program and NPR, is that they give me a balance, and I value that. I look forward to listening to Main Street every afternoon because it tells me things about everyday life in North Dakota from celebrations, festivals, news. For all the reasons you listen, become a sustaining member of Prairie Public. Just go to prairiepublic.org and open the red link that says Donate. You're listening to Main Street on Prairie Public. I'm Ashley Thornburg. My guest today is a philosopher, Dr. Jack Russell Weinstein, a professor at the University of North Dakota. He joins us monthly for Philosophical Currents, and today we are looking at the movie Barbie. And Jack, we were talking about the matriarchy and the patriarchy and how they would exist in their purest forms, and this idea uh, that 
a lot of people like to presume that women would sort of run society perfectly. I, you know, and talking about how feminism has, has changed through the ages, I was really struck by the book The Power uh, that came out a few years ago. And uh, apologies if this is a spoiler uh, to people, but it is this book that uh, women could shock the men. And um, therefore, they were in charge. And I, I wanted this book to be, okay, because they're in charge, they're going to do that thing that you said, be caring and be nurturing and everything's going to be great and they're not going to start any wars. But also they were in power and I'll just leave it at that phrase, power corrupts, right? <laughs> so right. so do, do you get the sense in this movie too that it is a little bit of a critique on power and and how people use power, particularly because the Barbies don't seem to be hell-bent on on taking things away from the Kens in the movie at all. The line is, power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. The thing about power that is so difficult is that people are always trying to take it from you. And so once you're in power, you have to assert yourself and you have to limit other people in order to keep it. That's just the human experience. And there's no reason to think, as the, your, your book discusses, that women would be any different. Right. We look at the history of the world. We look at the history of colonization. We look at the history of the Middle East. We look at the history of all of these political battles. And whenever someone becomes powerful, they limit the power of other people. And, and that's just unfortunate. It's just the way it is. This is true of the female dolls as well, right? All of the Barbies want to retain their power. And the way that they retain their power is by getting the male dolls not to vote and not to participate. So if the movie had ended up in an egalitarian Barbie land mm. where it was 50% governed by men and 50% governed by women, then that would be telling a different story. Why? Because Barbie is and always has been a, a, a girl-oriented doll. And so if it had ended up with an egalitarian equal world, then the girls who played with the dolls would have lost something. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with imagining a society that is entirely run by women, not because it takes men away from power, but because it's a, a place of the imagination. That's, again, one of the essential tensions in the movie, because it has one foot in the real world, both literally and figuratively. It ignores the fact that Barbie land is a place for girls to entertain themselves and it doesn't really exist, right? Mm -hmm. But there's nothing wrong with girls playing with dolls or with anyone playing with dolls and imagining a society of almost entirely women. There's nothing wrong with that because it's in the imagination. We, You mentioned World War II movies and things like that. We see lots and lots and lots of films that are just men Men are all the characters. Men are all the people, you know, behind the, 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 the camera. Men are all of these different things. And it's OK because it's an, the imagination. Because everyone has decided to interpret this as an allegory about the world as it is, we forget the fact that imagining a society that, that is entirely governed by women doesn't take anyone away from anything because 
It's the imagination. And what a doll is, what a toy is, what a Barbie is, is a catalyst for the imagination. And so the question then becomes, and this is the question, the real question of the film, it seems to me, is if you have a doll that gives off a particular definition of femininity, does it inherently limit your imagination? If the body of the doll is perfect and unattainable, if the character of the doll is this ideal that no one can achieve, Hmm. does that inherently limit the imagination? Let me give you an analogy. In the 1990s, there was a very serious debate about how we should teach our heroes. Do we teach Martin Luther King as this person who is perfect in every way and who represents the ideal of justice? Or do we talk about the man who had affairs, who allegedly plagiarized some of his doctoral dissertation, who was a a strategist for power and a political player? How do we teach it? If we teach him as 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 an ideal then that's something to aspire to but nobody can achieve ideals and we want people to know that they can be the next martin luther king jr if we teach them as a flawed human being if martin luther king jr is 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 imperfect then he is achievable we too can be martin luther king but then we may not have any heroes anymore and this is the same sort of thing with barbie if barbie is this ultimate definition of femininity does it make girls in particular feel bad because they can never achieve this or does it give them sort of an image to strive for Mm. that is not necessarily alienating that's the real discourse of the film the real discourse of the film is what is the place of barbie in today's world and it will not surprise me if barbie dolls are flying off the shelf because of this movie because Everyone talks about the political propaganda of this film, but uh, this is yeah. a gorgeous piece of commercial propaganda. Well, yeah. I mean, this is. Well, and they make fun of, you know, rampant capitalism in the film. And then you have to sit there and think, wait a second. They're also, you know, they signed right, off sure. on this film and Barbie doll sales you know, likely, likely to go high. So w- what does it even mean that they are just sitting there? making a few jokes at at the CEO's expense, but they're lining their pockets. Well, that's right. And so the word capitalism has stopped meaning what it's supposed to be. Hmm. Capitalism technically is an economic system. It is one built on the idea that the money that you earn, the capital can be used to create other money, uh, Mm. more money, that you you don't just earn uh, money through labor, but that you also earn money through interest, through investment, through exploiting your capital. That's not what capitalism means now. What capitalism means now is the system, whatever that means, the exploitation, the injustice, the, the, the inequality. What capitalism has become is a stand in for the imperfection of our social, political and economic world. And so when the characters are making fun of capitalism, they're not making fun of making a profit. They're making fun of the exploitation inherent in the system. Now, is that inherently Marxist the way some people will complain? Well, sort of yes and sort of no. You don't have to be a Marxist to understand that people are starving and you don't have to be a Marxist to understand that inequality hurts people. 
What you have to do is have some empathy and be able to recognize that your experience, however difficult it may be, is not necessarily the same as someone else's experience. So that sense of making fun of capitalism is ironic, it's hypocritical, but it's also a way of getting their claws into the younger generation who speak like that. I mean, one of the things mm -hmm. that was so fun about the younger character is she sounded exactly like my daughter. Yeah. The, the, the critiques she used, the language that she uses, the, the political assertions that she makes, um, all of that was completely and utterly believable in my experience, but they're the ones that the movie is targeting. My daughter also went to see Barbie, wanted to see it opening weekend, wore pink to see to see it, right? The marketing worked. And part of this is loyalty to Greta Gerwig. I had a conversation with Adina about it, and she's very specifically trusted uh, Gerwig's voice and vision because of the experience with Lady Bird. Mm -hmm. But it does have this problem of self-reference, this problem that the very thing that they are attacking is the very thing that it is. And the only way, the only thing we need to know to see this in effect is the fact that when you started talking about the movie uh, in the very beginning, the very first thing you did was talk about how much money it made. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about movies as being good anymore. We don't mm. talk about movies as being sophisticated or interesting or revolutionary or boundary pushing. We talk about them in terms of box office because we confuse the idea of popular and good. Just because something is popular doesn't mean it's good. And just because something is good doesn't mean that people are going to like it. And money is a stand in for all of the different factors that make something a success. And this movie, above and beyond anything else, is a commercial success. Hmm. Let's talk, Jack, about the religious objection to this movie. And I think, uh, you know, notably in the Barbie universe, in, in Barbie world, it's a flip on the Adam and Eve creation story. Barbie is the one who is the main person. Ken exists under her gaze. <laughs> right. You know, if your worldview is that women should be subservient to men, you're not going to like this movie insofar as you can't enjoy it just as a movie, right? Mm. There are lots of things that I watch and lots of shows that I enjoy that don't share my worldview, <laughs> right? Um, I just started watching uh, the, this show called The Man in the High Castle based on a Philip K. Dick book, which is about what if uh, Germany and Japan had won World War II. Now, you know, I am not in favor of Germany and Japan winning World War II for, right. I think, many, many obvious and some not so obvious reasons. But I can still enjoy an alternative story. So if your worldview is such that women have to be subservient to men and you can't be escapist and just enjoy the movie for what it is, which is a movie, then, yeah, you're not going to enjoy the film. Now, with that said... There is absolutely no reason why the Adam and Eve story in and of itself needs to mean uh, a woman is subservient. That is part of God's punishment to Adam and Eve. But there's another interpretation. The other interpretation is God made Adam first and Adam was imperfect. So he had a second try and made Eve and she was better. Right? Hmm. You can take that. You can take that narrative and put it on the story. It's only because of 
the way we we blame Eve instead of the serpent, the way that God of the Hebrew scriptures punishes uh, women and makes them subservient. But look, everyone's allowed to have their own religious belief and everyone is allowed to not see the film if they don't want to see the film. There's nothing wrong with not seeing the film. In fact, most films out there, I choose not to see. <laughs> it doesn't mean that that other people can't see the film and it doesn't mm. mean that other people can't enjoy it. I was surprised that there is some geopolitical controversy here, this this map and people concerned about its depiction of China and what that means to America's one China policy. Yeah, this is this this is this is a people just can't win uh, <laughs> kind of thing. At one point there's a map of the earth that is supposed to be a crudely drawn sort of kids picture of the earth and it accidentally cuts off Asia in such a way so that it suggests that China has uh, authority over Vietnam, the Philippines and some other countries. And mm. so Vietnam and Philippines are ba have banned Barbie because they are arguing that it is pro China propaganda. And I can, you know, I mean, I don't know for sure. And of course, China is a massive market, and 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 so and there may have been some consultant there at some point. Are manufactured, right? Right. There's there's that too. But I suspect this is one of those things that was like, oh my god, for real? It's just a map. Can we just get over it? I mean, the moment something becomes a symbol. The moment something becomes representative of the world, then it's going to offend somebody. It's going to step on something. And that's just the nature of art and the nature of creation. So, yeah, the Vietnam, Vietnam and the Philippines have banned the movie. I think that's kind of silly, but, you know, I'm not in the Vietnamese government, so I don't get to have an opinion. So, Jack, this is similar to the conversation that we started earlier in this idea that feminism changes and, and our understanding of, of what we support and do not support can change uh, generationally is a lot of conservatives who are not enjoying this film and what is portraying are saying things like when the doll came out, it was about women having jobs and now this movie is about suppressing men but the controversy when the doll first came out a lot of it was from conservatives saying they didn't want this doll um, because it, th that wasn't the direction they wanted for women to have that agency and to have these jobs so let's talk about this idea a little um, of how just in, in one, maybe two generations, we want to go back to the doll the way it was as if it was so innocent and not controversial when it came out. Well, first of all, I think that that's a misrepresentation of the film because the suppression of men part is just towards the end and there's all sorts of stuff going on beforehand. But mm. let's put that aside. There are two things that, that, that come to mind. The first is the thing I said earlier about the zero-sum game, that if you believe that women advancing means men retreating, then you're going to see this in this way. And what it means for women to advance is always going to be more progressive in the sense that it implies progress than conservative, because conservative want, people want things to stay the same. And um, reactionary people want things to go backwards. We've 
talked about this on the show. But the other aspect which I find tremendously frustrating as a general rule is, you know, I watch a lot of stand-up comics. I spend a lot of time on the internet. And and this affects me less because I've been in a very long-term monogamous relationship. You know, I've been married for 23 years. Men and women are so angry at each other. <laughs> People are dating and they're so bitter and they don't trust one another. And there's so much hostility. And every comic, if they're not talking about black people and white people, they're talking about men and women. And it it seems to me, and I'm going to end this by, by saying something really controversial for some of the audience. I don't find it at all surprising that the current generation of young people, especially the current generation of girls, want to identify as non-binary and non-traditional gender. I don't find that shocking at all. Why? Because the moment we start talking about gender, we talk about division and hostility mm. and anger and distrust. And it seems to me that the insight of the current generation is the only way to get out of this hostility and this this relentless cycle of hatred is to get rid of gender hmm. because the moment you think about men and women you think about things in terms of opposition so rather than try to make men and women get along which appears to never happen <laughs> um Let's get rid of the idea of men and the idea of women as we understand it. Let's have a much more fluid, abstract, individualized concept of gender. And if and 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 the thing that's so relevant to the idea of Barbie and 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 Barbie says this right. There's one point where Barbie just gets to the the real world and she's she's being catcalled by um, construction workers and she says. I don't have a vagina and Ken doesn't have a penis, right? Barbie isn't a girl. Barbie isn't a woman. Barbie is a doll. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ken isn't a boy. Ken isn't a man. Ken isn't male. Ken is a doll. These are sexless objects that we have imposed our images on. And if the moment we impose our gendered images on these objects, they become vehicles of hostility and the battle of the sexes, then there is something to be said about saying, fine, let's stop talking about gender and sex at all. And let's just treat people like individuals. I think that is a perfectly understandable, albeit often terrifying and foreign and alienating image of the future because we're not progressing. Again, I said mm. very early on, the message of Barbie is the message that we got in the 1970s and 80s. And if it's still this controversial and it's still problematic, maybe the issue isn't men oppressing women or women oppressing men. Maybe it's the division and the dichotomy of male and female in and of itself. And maybe it's time to find something different. Well, that doesn't seem to keep any doors open <laughs> for just celebrating what one might bring to the table and what the other might bring to the table. And I wonder to tie the movie together, you know, in the beginning, we talked about 
letting women have more things to dream about than being a mother. But then at the end, there is a very touching scene about the power of mothers and the absolute uh, love and radiance that they can bring into the world when they are properly resourced. So is it fair to say that ultimately this movie does seem like a pretty positive portrayal of motherhood even though it started out as there can be more than this well i think you can have more than this and have a positive portrayal of motherhood at the same time right why not both but yes the scene at the end when the mother figure is talking to barbie is a really beautiful scene and it's really powerful and i think that that that's more about uh what we want for the next generation, because the entire film is about the relationship between a mother and a daughter. The whole reason why Barbie ends up going into the real world is because of the alienation that a mother feels from her tween daughter Mm -hmm. and how she reverts back to Barbie when she's dreaming about this relationship that she, she thinks she's losing with her daughter. The entire film is about the mother and daughter relationship. And if you object to a movie about a mother and daughter because it's not about a father and a son, well, there are other movies for you to see. Dr. Jack Russell Weinstein, a philosopher at the University of North Dakota, thanks for your time today. Always a pleasure.